Welcome to Legendary Dads, where we wipe out myths like you can't be a successful entrepreneur and a loving present dad. We're tearing down lies about being a well-behaved dad, you know, doing what they say that you're supposed to do. We're blazing the trail to become high-performance dads, the dad who's clear where he and his family are going and why. We are laying solid foundations to become legendary dads. Well, great to see you all here. I'm excited for this uh, very first episode, especially, and uh, so glad to have Adam Flaherty here as my first guest. And Adam's a dad of two young daughters. Uh, He's also a commercial director, video editor, podcast creator. He co-hosts a podcast, a fatherhood-themed called Modern Dadhood which is absolutely worth listening to, even if you're not a dad, probably. So <laughs> I am very grateful and uh, excited to have this chance to talk with you, Adam, and learn a bit about you and have some fun conversation around this. I don't even know what word. It's crazy, exciting, <laughs> stressful <laughs> life of dadhood. It's a little bit of everything all rolled all into one. All of the above. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, okay, before we get into anything else, I've got this burning question I got to ask you, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only dad who's wondering. <laughs> Go for it. How how you got into this business of being a dad? I mean, you know, for me, it was like I get married, and then next thing you know, I'm a dad, and then it <laughs> happens again three more times. And I'm like, well, what's going on? How did this happen? Can you <laughs> shed any light on this mystery? That's a great question, Kevin, and uh, I, I don't know that it's one that I've a- ever actually been asked before, even in two and a half years of of creating a fatherhood-themed podcast. So uh, first off, congratulations to you. I'm, I'm so psyched for you and, and this podcast. It's it's such a great idea, and uh, I'm honored to be your first guest, so thank you for inviting me. But Thanks. I think that my, my fatherhood uh, story really is just that I have three siblings who are all older than me. So my oldest sibling is 20 years older than me. So when I was in high school, two of my three siblings were having babies. And Mm. so as a young person, I had a lot of experience taking care of babies and, you know, and being with them as they grew up. And so it was never a foreign idea to me that I wanted to have my own kids. Um, I loved spending time with them. We had a lot of fun together. Uh, I learned a lot about how to, you know, be responsible for a young person. Mm -hmm. So I always knew that I wanted to have kids. It was just a matter of, of when my wife and I met in the early two thousands, we ended up getting married in 2010. And I think that we, had this idea that maybe we'd do some traveling. You know, we we bought up our first home uh, before having kids. But then you start to see people around you, uh, friends, acquaintances, people you work with start having kids. And I don't know, something in your mind, at least for me and for my wife, just kind of shifted. And we started thinking, you know, what if we what if we started thinking about having a kid now? And so yeah. all those travel plans kind of, 
you know, went out the window or at least put were put on the back burner for maybe 15 years until the kids are old enough to appreciate that. And then we decided to have our first baby. So our first of two daughters was born in January of 2014. And our second daughter was born in February of 2017. Nice. Wow. So that's cool. So you raised an interesting point because this is, this is something that my wife and I have kind of had some interesting conversation about is it the issue of travel. How, how was that for you in terms of kind of, was it actually a part of your original, like you really thought, talked about, Hey, if we do this, it kind of throws off travel or was it something you realized after the fact? I think both Sarah and I were fortunate to have had to have been able to travel to some really interesting places, you know, beyond your sort of, you know, Disney world, Disneyland types of vacations growing up, you know, to see other countries, other parts of the world, learn about other cultures uh, Mm. prior to having kids and even prior to being uh, together as a couple. So I don't recall there being specific places that we wanted to go or things that we wanted to see prior to having kids. It was more just of this idea that let's be married for a while and take, you know, do some adventuring together mm-hmm. before we uh, settle down for lack of a better term. But I think if there was a specific place we really wanted to go, uh, we probably would have made the decision to do that prior to kids, but there, because there wasn't, it sort of made the decision to start, to start thinking, to start trying uh, a little bit easier. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's good. I mean, you, you are obviously a thoughtful guy. You clearly put some thought into the, the process anyway, how, how deeply you went into it, I guess it depends on the subject, but you, clearly you guys had put some thought into that. I wonder if, do you guys really think about sort of your parenting philosophy or approach or some kind of, did you have any kind of framework before or as you were kind of expecting your first? That's a great question. And it's, it's something that uh, my co-host on modern dadhood, Mark and I talk about a lot, you know, is the idea that, you know, whether you had an, a fantastic upbringing and your parents were very involved and very engaged or whether they were a little bit more passive, you are, you're always influenced by how you are brought up. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that Sarah and I probably had those conversations about what types of parents we wanted to be, but we also had been together for so long even before we got married, that we really knew what kind of, you know, I knew what kind of person she was. I could see what kind of mother she would be. She right. knew what kind of person I am. She, you know, we had seen each other interact with other people's kids and with my nieces and nephews. So, yeah, I'm sure we had those conversations, Kevin, but it, it really it was more just an instinct. We knew that we were we knew what kind of parents we wanted to be. And I think what we wanted to be were parents who led by example, who um, were empathetic, who encouraged our kids to express themselves creatively, um, who uh, supported them, but gave them room to, 
to grow and, and learn and experience things on their own when they needed to do that. So, I mean, those are just, just a few examples that, that come to mind. Yeah. I'm curious how some of that's played out for you guys. And I, I'm, I'm most interested partly in um, how you've been able to, well, first, let's just say some of these principles that are, are broad principles of, of character and, and how you live life. Uh, can you give us some examples of how you're sort of demonstrating that, how you're being an example to your girls? One way that one way that comes to mind right away is that I personally have always been very uh, entrepreneurial and I've always worked. I had the had the benefit, the blessing to work in creative fields where I can come up with ideas and turn them into things. And there's always been something exciting about that to me. So whether it's a video project or a podcast, or I used to write and perform a lot of music when I was younger, um, there's something exciting about having an idea and then being able to produce something, whether it's a piece of music or something tangible or, or, you know, or a company that, that has some degree of legitimacy. Yeah. And I've noticed in both my daughters, but more so lately in my older daughter, who's eight and a half, that she she's not only seen that, but she's really started doing that herself. So an example would be uh, podcasting. You know, she, she knows that it's something that I do a lot and she sees me doing it a lot and she's interested in it and she's curious about the editing process and this and that. Mm. But we last year were we took a, a long weekend and we went up into the mountains in New Hampshire and we were hiking and she started talking about you know I want to do a podcast and we were in nature and she loves being in nature and playing outside and learning outside and she said what if I did a podcast you know for kids where you know we explored how to preserve and protect nature and you know she started talking about how you know when she was older she could do something like that and I was like you don't have to be older to do that. You could do that now. I mean, I can help you with that. You know, we have the tools. Let's do this. So she, needless to say, was thrilled about that. And her mind started going a million miles an hour. And when we got home the next day, you know, we started, she, I encouraged her to start writing it out because she wanted to just get right into it and just start recording. And I said, let's, let's take a beat. And why don't we organize our thoughts and, and you figure out exactly what you want this to be. And I'll collaborate with you if you want, or I'll just sort of support you and answer questions and help you brainstorm ideas. And so she wrote all this out. You know, she thought of different themes for episodes. We brainstormed guests who she could interview and uh, and we made a podcast. So she has now th- a trailer and three episodes. And nice. um I'm just sort of letting her go at her own pace with it. You know, the, the entrepreneur and the marketer in me wants to like push her to keep this up. This could be awesome. This could be huge. Maybe national geographic wants to, you know, buy this and you could be a superstar, but I, uh, I I want her to, I want her to sort of do it at her pace. Yeah. That's something you find particularly challenging to, because I've been thinking about that myself just in recent months, even that, to, to kind of let them go, let her go and, and your other 
daughter as well. It's kind of do things at their pace. Are you someone who finds that comes naturally or is it really take a bit of work for you? Um, I'm um, busy enough with my own stuff that I'm thrilled to help them, you know, and to, to teach them and help them explore new things but I'm perfectly good to give them space to explore things on their own too. So this same yeah. daughter who's eight and a half, who's totally thrilled that she's working on this podcast is also like writing a short film and creating music and doing little productions in the house and started nice. a book club that she's recruited a dozen neighborhood kids to participate in. So she, her, you know, she's got all different things all the time and I can only, you know, I can only be involved to such a degree on any of these things. So I'm happy to, to let her run with them and then come to me when she needs some help or some inspiration. Yeah. Well, it certainly helps being an entrepreneur yourself. You have a lot uh, going on, no doubt. I uh, actually, and I've looked at some of what you're, you've been up to and uh, yeah, you certainly have seem to have a number of things going on that you're at least that I could find. <laughs> I don't know if you have other things that you're not broadcasting, but Oh, there's always irons in the fire. Yeah. Is that a, how do you process that? The ideas that you have, because you've talked about that and you really love. And I think for a lot of people, this is a, this is a struggle. And when it comes to parenting for, for creative people, maybe more than others, I don't know. Um, you have all these ideas and things that you love to do. And, and you may even know that you have the capabilities. So, it becomes, I mean, there's just a normal balance, right? How do you keep your own life in check? But then when you've got kids and a wife to include, how do you work through that? So I think in terms of the logistics of it, I mean, there's only so many hours in a day. I think it. I think it's 24. I'd have no. to check. But <laughs> I sleep through some of them, so I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, there's so many only so many hours in a day. So I, for the last few years have gotten up early just cause I wake up and my brain starts going and, you know, thinking about the things I could be doing. And, and those early morning hours are usually pretty productive for me. Um, whether it's my full-time job or working on the podcast or working on any number of things. And then, you know, I, I end up doing a lot of work in the evenings as well. And I, mm -hmm. I don't mind that, you know, where the work-life balance thing is, is, is okay for me. I have a, a fairly comfortable situation with my job and I'm very grateful for that. But I think to answer your question about how do you manage all these different ideas and, you know, figure out which ones have, have some validity to them. I think I have to try to organize myself on paper sort of sort things into buckets and maybe assign some loose time, uh, timelines to them. Mm -hmm. And there are some things that, you know, I've been thinking about forever and just, you know, have not gotten to, and that's fine. Um, you know, the other piece I, I always think about, you know, as an advertising sort of marketing person is, is money. So for my podcast, for example, money has never been a part of it. It's just, it's been a passion project and it's been, extremely fulfilling and I've made some amazing contacts with it, but we've never grown it to a point where advertisers would be interested. You know, it, it wouldn't make sense for an advertiser to invest money in us and that's fine. But 
as I think about other projects, that is something that I consider, you know, I've got this amazing passion project. If I were to take something else on, would I need for it to be like financially lucrative to make sense or not? So I just look at all these different ideas and I try to look at them as objectively as possible and say, is this something that I want to put time and thought and, and effort and uh, emotion and care into right now? Or is this something that is a cool idea and maybe I revisit it a year or two from now or when my girls have graduated high school and are out of the house. So, yeah. Yeah. And have you found, cause you're a lot, it sounds like there may be a fair bit of what you do that you can do at home. Do you, do you do a fair bit at home or does that not really work out for you guys? Prior to the pandemic, I was in the office five days a week, you know, eight, eight, seven thirty or eight until five. And I will say my girls were quite a bit younger then. And I felt pretty guilty because, you know, not that I've ever had an extremely long commute, but just felt guilty about the, the amount of time that I was not seeing them on any given weekday. Mm. And since the pandemic happened, I do work from home quite a bit. Um, I have an office that I can go into. I have a team of people who go in periodically, but in the world of video production, you know, I find myself editing a lot of times and I'm much more productive when I'm at home. So hmm. um, I, I do enjoy the flexibility that my job awards me. And then again, certainly feel grateful for that. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, in and out of the house a lot, but certainly can be very productive working from home. Yeah. Well, that's fortunate. And that's a, that's an interesting shift. And I imagine there's quite a lot of people that have, have either looked at or are looking at that, that idea of, Hey, I had to work at home anyway. Can I stay here? Right. Um, right. And, uh, and that comes with its own challenge. Like for me, it's been, there's times where it's been pretty challenging uh, with four kids in the house, um, mine are older than yours. So we're kind of going age 12 now to 19. Wow. Um, there's a different dynamic, but if I can, if you don't mind me, can we go back to pre pandemic? Sure. Because I want to, if, and see if there is there, how did you process that? Because I think a lot of guys struggle with that because, and there's all kinds of reasons maybe, but, you know, there's the general sense that we we have to go. I, we got to earn money, and that's for a lot of us. That's kind of the big thing. We gotta we gotta earn money, and we gotta keep our wife happy um, <laughs> at night. And but those are kind of our big mandate. But I think a lot of us feel that underlying guilt or some kind of struggle with being away and not being involved as much as we want. Were you able to to process that in a in a good way or? So I'm in a unique situation where I owned my company for seven or eight years and my former partner and I sold our production company to a slightly larger digital agency. That happened about a year before the pandemic, which I'm extremely grateful for because if the pandemic happened and I was still a business owner and I had four or five people who were fully, you know, employed full time, mm -hmm. I most certainly would have had to uh, let them go. 
And, mm-hmm. and thankfully the act, what the acquisition meant was that there was a bit of a safety net for my team. And uh, I will always be grateful for that. But the first year of the acquisition pr- was, you know, basically the full year prior to the pandemic. And so mm-hmm. even spanning the acquisition, yeah, I was still working in the office, like I said, five days a week, you know, eight to five or longer. And yeah, and it was tough. It was tough to think, to reflect on the fact that I was seeing my girls, one of whom was a baby Hmm. for an hour in the morning. And that hour was a scramble to get them out the door and get them to daycare. And then if I was lucky, maybe like 90 minutes at night. And that was, you know, I was, my wife and I were preparing dinner. And again, it was like a scramble to get them into bed. Yeah. I'm not sure how I really processed that. I, I, I certainly didn't feel good about it, but it seemed like that was just the way that it was, not just yeah. for me, but for most working parents, um, you know, within a two income family. And it started to really feel like a grind. So, yeah. you know, I sometimes think about the pandemic and I think, boy, you know, what a, what an absolutely devastating thing to live through. You know, so many people got sick, so many lives lost, absolutely devastating. And, but for me personally, there were some really positive things that came as a result of it. I would never, ever wish for it to happen again. I would never have wished for it to happen in the first place. Yeah, no, but it, it, it resulted in a big shakeup of that routine that really was starting to take a toll on me. And so for whatever it's worth, you know, I've been able to find the positives in it and I'm still enjoying them now, three years later. Yeah. Well, that's awesome that, that you're that kind of mind that you were, you saw that you were aware of the issue in your heart and uh, you're willing to take advantage of this opportunity that kind of came along. So I probably, I mean, if the, if the pandemic didn't hit, I probably would still be doing that same grind and I probably would be a little cynical about it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that we, a lot of us get there sooner or later, <laughs> but yeah, just kind of, what do you do? Right. That's right. Like people keep saying to me, oh, living the dream. I don't know whose dream this is, but I'm living it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm living it. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So I want to uh, shift a little bit here and, uh, and just kind of dig into a little bit more about, about you and your character here. Because as I was exploring the uh, the internet, found some interesting things. I mean, you've talked about the production company and the video work that you do. Um, I found your music albums. Oh yeah, and uh, actually, I quite like them. <laughs> well, thank you. I uh, uh, found them on Spotify. This, this is your daughter is making music. You said, are you still doing music in the house? Or we play music uh, in the house a lot. Yeah. My my girls are interested in picking up instruments and you know learning, you know, just enough to make a whole bunch of noise. But yeah, we we sing a lot of songs I, I play guitar you know they they add percussion um yeah we we create we're, we're kind of 
a, a team that's constantly creating. So whether it's it's music or whether it's like I said, ideas for stories or or plays or short films. We're we're always, you know, creating these ideas together. But yeah, I, I music has always been a very important part of my life. Since having kids, I stopped performing live. Mm. But you know, I think even prior to kids, that was kind of, you know, for anybody who plays live music, performs on a stage in front of people, I think anybody would agree that you kind of go into it thinking, this is so much fun. This is so fulfilling. And it doesn't take too long before you realize that it's kind of a business, whether you want it to be or not, because the clubs that are bringing you in are expecting that you're going to bring an audience, you know, there's that for them, it's a business transaction, whether or not it is for you. And, you know, bringing people out to see you perform is it's not easy. It's a, it's a lot of work to get people to commit to that. So Mm. I, as much as I miss the fun of performing with other people, with my friends, other musicians on stage. It's not something that uh, I regret uh, not doing anymore. Yeah. Well, that's good. But so I do don't... miss the the process of, of writing and recording and, you know, being in a studio and experimenting with different sounds, you know, with my friends and it's more of the, 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 the culture uh, and the, the process of that, that, the creative process of that, that I, that I enjoy and miss. Yeah. That's cool. It's pretty special that you're, uh, or I guess you say all of you are, are fairly creative. I guess both your daughters are kind of showing a lot of that creativity still at this point and kind of neat that you're, uh, I mean, my four kids, they don't all share the same interest. My, like my oldest is a, is, is an artist and she enjoys art like I do. And, that's kind of neat. It's nice to have that, but it's not the same with all of them. So it's kind of special that you, uh, you see, you get to enjoy that with your kids. Are you seeing, yeah. are you noticing, um, as they, as they grow and develop, are you aware of shifts in their interests or any particular, um, sort of, I don't know, skills or innate talents or things that are coming out? Do they seem to be very, kind of created artistic like yourself? You know, it's always something new. They're they're at these ages, eight and five, where it just feels like a whirlwind all the time, you know, to be honest, Kevin. And so it's almost like my wife and I don't even really have time to reflect on, you know, what's what's new or what's changed or what they might be into next uh, because it's always just right on to the next thing. It's almost like seamless transitions. You know, both my girls are in, are in dance classes right now. And, but my, my older daughter like is dying to do gymnastics, you know, um, she's thinking about sports. And so, you know, when, when they are expressing interest in these, my, my younger daughter is in, in uh, girl scouts, something my older daughter never did. And that's, that's special to her. Mm you know, when they start coming to us with these ideas, the next thing they want to do, you know, they have no consideration of, you know, that may only happen at 
two o'clock on a weekday when you're in school, <laughs> yeah. or that yeah. may cost, you know, $800 to do like three months of whatever this next thing is. It's yeah. just, they want to do this. They want to do this. And so we have to kind of stop them and, 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 and try to, you know, get them to think about it, you know, in a way that uh, basically where they can really understand what their options are and weigh their options before they just rush into the next thing. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, that's an important part of the process. A lot of people will say, uh, and I, I suppose there's everybody kind of works out their own process here, but a lot of, I've heard a lot of people say, well, if you basically, if you start something, they're going to force you to stick with it through that season or whatever that program is, right. um, which I, I certainly think is a, can be a positive thing. <laughs> I had a hard time with our kids that they were, they wanted to do things or be something, but they didn't want to become. And that's, mm. that's been the challenge. It's like, Oh, I love dancing and I want to dance. But then it's like, we keep doing the same thing every week. It's like, I don't want to do the same thing. It's like, that's how you get that's to be. Yeah. You just, if you don't practice, you don't learn, then you'll never really get to enjoy the freedom of, of that awesome thing that you think you want to do. Yeah. Instant gratification can, can definitely be a challenge for us too. Yeah. When they, sure. when they don't get the instant gratification. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, one of the things you were, you were talking about, which I've thought about as the, the one of the great challenges of parenting is that you're, you're building a relationship with a person who is constantly changing. And so one minute you think you've, you've got to figure it out and you know them. And then, you know, next month or next quarter or the next school year is like, I thought you liked this and you ate this food and now you don't eat that. And you, you don't want to go like, <laughs> how do you do that? How do you have a relationship with someone who's constantly changing? And it's like, Oh, it's I, tough. And both my girls are, are very smart and, and very wise in certain ways and can hold a thoughtful conversation, mm. which is amazing. But it's also crazy making when you you have a really great conversation where it seems like, you know, you, you're, you're work the way that you're talking to me feels like you're 12 or 13 years old, you know, not yeah. eight years old, but then an hour later you can look at them the wrong way and they just melt down and are completely irrational and there's nothing you can say to make the situation better. It's, it's such a roller coaster <laughs> that it, it's like, how can you be both of these people wrapped into, you know, one person? Yeah. Yeah. What that reminds me of even before I was ever married, I was, I worked as a youth pastor for a while and, and one of the, uh, one of the best pieces of advice I got was, with teenagers they were they were talking about teenagers and they said treat them like adults but allow them to respond like kids hmm. and then you probably that'll help your sanity walking through that process and then man it's still true like you're describing it's just being able to especially as adults where we feel like okay we've got stability like in terms of character and behaviors we, we kind of it's predictable we talked with other adults we know you get to know what to expect, but these young ones, it's like, how do you, co how do you cope with that? Like, 
Oh, and yeah, it can really, it can be tough for sure. I know I've, I've struggled with that. Um, because I like the, yeah, probably like most of us, I like, I enjoy the predictability, a little bit of, I know who you are and where you're going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We do find that when we, we separate the kids and sort of each, you know, we have one-on-one -on -one time with them. We tend to avoid some of the really crazy, dramatic, emotional uh, episodes that tend to be more frequent when they're together or when it's all four of us. Right. Yeah, I suppose that's true with uh, people in general. The more more people you have around, the more opportunity for, I don't know, just people setting each other off or that kind of, that kind of thing. Is that, when you mentioned having one-on-one -on -one time, is that something that you guys do sort of as a deliberate thing? I know my wife and I have gone through times of that where we, we have a date night where we'll do a one-on-one -on -one or even the two of us with one of the kids. Uh, is that part of your kind of routine or pattern or is it just a i think in an ideal world yes we would be doing that a lot more realistically right now but you know they were in camps all summer and now mm -hmm. they're back into the school year and so really you know most of the stuff that we do is is one parent with both girls or both parents with both girls on the weekends we try to split them up a little more but we definitely see the value in doing it and would love to do it more it's just a, a matter of of logistics and time yeah yeah for sure and that working that out is is part of the ongoing negotiation of life i guess yes it is <laughs> always and as their interests and needs change then it's changes you got to change with it right that's right i'm curious as we're talking about this this whole concept of of the kids and their interactions and and what you're doing at home i'm betting like me you you have examples of of this interesting phenomenon where you're i don't know if your kids are at a point where you're where you're sitting they're going out to birthday parties or um I don't know, maybe not sleepovers at this point, but um, have you ever had the parent come back to you and describe to you someone else's child as they're dropping off your child? <laughs> no, I have not had that experience. That's really I, interesting. Because all I mean is I've had kids... Um, oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't following what you were saying. Uh, yes, I, I know exactly. It's more so for us. It's more uh, in teacher conferences. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good example. Yeah, it's like yes, you're describing her to a T. But what about like all of this other stuff that that she does at home? What about yeah. like the challenging us in in every way and yeah. and and uh, intentionally pushing her sister's buttons? She doesn't do that to other kids, no. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that, that's it's, hilarious. It took a while to get used to that. The parents, go, oh, she's just so helpful and so polite and <laughs> yeah, please and thank you. So, what are you talking about? That's not my daughter. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's actually one of the the interesting things about the pandemic is you know, for now for the last several years of their lives, you know, they haven't been going over to friends' houses and having meals with other families and things that, you know, mm -hmm. at their ages, they probably would have been invited to do quite a bit more had there not been a pandemic. And 
So, you know, as we have family meals together now, we have to constant, we're constantly reminding them about, you know, manners and sort of etiquette. And, you know, we're not totally uptight about it, but we want, we want them to be prepared to go to other people's houses and not be eating with their hands or not be, (laughs) you know, uh, fishing around under underneath the table or laying across their chair sideways. And so, you know, these (laughs) are things not allowed, (laughs) (laughs) you know, in, in big picture, like whatever, it's not a big deal, but I do want, I, I am a little bit concerned that, you know, when they do go to a, a friend, get invited to a friend's house, that you know they are not going to be thinking about that. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It's hard to believe it, um, and I guess that's I have to keep reminding myself about these times. The it's a great thing about about having your kids spend time with other people is when they give you feedback because that's, I mean, it's a it's funny to me and it's a joke, but it's also it's been such a uh, such a, a, a reassurance mm-hmm. to hear that oh they are they are hearing what I'm saying they never do it at home but they are hearing it and they right. use it outside the home so that's okay so I get short end of the stick but as long <laughs> as long as they know how to behave I guess that's that's what I could be happy about uh, that's uh, that's one of my uh, favorite moments <laughs> reassurances from other people yeah that's hilarious for sure I'm curious. You're now your kids are still young. Your oldest is eight and a half. You said, have you thought much at this point about sort of the long term picture uh, in terms of are there any specifics that you think you want to you want your kids to to walk away with? I mean, you're you described in the beginning about you know how you and your wife just basically want to exemplify good character and good living. Um, and so you're you're doing that through your day-to-day interactions and have you had any is is there any way you can describe what you think that would look like in your kids or is that not kind of is that too abstract i mean i think that you know if i were to try to distill down some values that are important to our family it's it's loving each other it's taking care of other people it's not being afraid to express yourself or you know be silly or be strange and and not worry about other what other people think Hmm. but as as i think about my girls growing older i joke a lot that i don't even know if in 10 or 15 years if higher education is going to exist in the same way that it does now but, you know, I will um, support them in exploring whatever they want to for education once they're past high school. If they want to go to college, we'll support them in exploring that, trying that, doing that thing. If they want to explore alternate ways of, you know, being educated, um, I'm open to that too. And I mean, everybody's sort of says, you know, I want to instill in my kids that they can do anything they want in their lives. But uh, it's something that we say a lot, as cliche as it might sound, it's that you can do anything that you want, and you don't have to figure it out right now. And 
you might as well take time to try lots of different things and see what is exciting to you and what inspires you before you make a decision about what you want to try to do for a living after you're finished with schooling. And Mm -hmm. I think as long as they kind of go forward, you know, holding on to those values of, you know, love, respect, putting, you know, good energy out into the world and keeping an open mind that they can do what they want, what they enjoy. I think that's, that's all I really hope for. Yeah. Awesome. Glad to hear that. You feel like you're doing a good job on this, on your podcast. I don't know. I feel like I'm a little (laughs) long winded. (laughs) No, No, so far I think, uh, you know, I, I, we're not perfect parents, but I think that we're doing the best we can. And I think that, you know, having the chance to talk with other dads like you, um, other dads on, on our podcast, um, what we say a lot is just the fact that we're exploring these things and mindful of these things is, is a positive thing. The fact that we think of, we spend a lot of time talking about it and thinking about it can only be a positive for our kids. So yeah, I think, I think we're doing the best we can. Very good. I've, I asked that partly because I've, I've been learning to acknowledge my own uh, success and be willing to say that I'm doing a good job. <laughs> good. And it, it can feel, it can feel hard to do that. So yeah. I it can be difficult. Um, so Hey, I, I really appreciated this and uh, I'm really deeply grateful for this conversation and for you sharing and uh, and being a part of this. And I know there's uh, there's so much more to keep learning and growing. And I always want to encourage because I know that, you know, kind of the focus of what you guys are doing is, is going to be a little different than what I'm doing. And so I love to be able to spread the word about each other and, and, and give guys as many opportunities and resources um as there are out there so as we kind of wrap up do you think i don't know if there's anything else that's on your heart that you would love to share i wish i had a great answer for this (laughs) i wish i had a great answer for this um i i don't know that i have anything else that i was hoping to share or expecting to talk about um I, i guess i would i guess i would close it out by Again, just uh, saying congratulations to you on what I expect to be a really, um, a really great, powerful, meaningful podcast. And uh, I truly am uh, honored and excited to be part of it. Well, thanks. And I didn't expect you had anything. I just wanted to leave you that opportunity in case there was something burning on your mind. But then, uh, in light of wanting to kind of, you know, open resources, uh, what would you most like? We're going to put the link to the Modern Dadhood podcast so people can find that because I think that's going to be a great thing for a lot of guys. Uh, is there any other resource that you would like to point people to just as we wrap up? I don't believe so. You know, okay. uh, Modern Dadhood can be found on any of the major podcasting platforms or at moderndadhood.com. And we just we sort of bill our show as an ongoing conversation about the joys, challenges, and general insanity of being a dad in this moment. Um, yeah. Every every episode has a guest and covers a different topic. Some guests are famous dads. Uh, many of them are not famous dads, but 
there's just such a wide demographic that we've tried to bring in and and chat with and learn from and it really has been an amazing journey excellent thanks and i've noticed it on your youtube uh, page for modern dadhood there's some different videos and things that are not just on the podcast so that's an interesting place to explore and i'm going to close this with you with one last observation of something i thought was really interesting and fun your instagram page the certain death doors <laughs> oh i what have a personal was... i have a personal instagram separate from our podcast yeah called uh, certain death portals <laughs> portals <laughs> it's sort of been That's... uh it's been just a kind of a back burner project but uh yeah the idea is you know you ever just go by you know an old building that just has you know a door and you know that if you were to go into that door that either somebody's going to be there ready to just kill you or that you would go into someplace and get stuck or trapped and not be able to get out and those, so those are, those are the two things that I consider to be certain death portals. So if you look up certain death portals, it's not something I've actually promoted very much. If you look up certain death portals on Instagram, uh, you'll see exactly what I mean. Yeah, it's, I just thought that was so funny. And I was like, I'm going to go back and, and look at those and, and ponder that because I think that's a fun, fun little thing. So thanks again, uh, Adam. And thank you everybody for uh, joining in and listening to this and all the guys and uh, hopefully some mothers and uh, maybe some kids who are exploring what it means to be a dad and how we can become the best we can be and provide the legacy for our kids through our example and everything that we have to give to them to give them a better life and to just create a better world with better communities in it so i appreciate all of you for being a part of this and looking forward to next week where we'll dig a little deeper again all right, we've taken another step towards that legendary dad status today, and I'm excited and honored to be part of this journey with you. Now, if you go to kevinwillspeak.com, you can book time to speak with me directly about any questions or comments you have, or you can connect with me on social media or post in the comments below. Guys, I'm convinced that we all have what it takes, and if we work together, we can all become legendary dads. 